And so it's going to be a little challenging. So here's what we're going to do. In this series, we are going to ask questions and look at examples. There are two questions we're going to ask. Why did Jesus send, ascend back into heaven? Why did he go back up into heaven? Was he, why didn't he just stick around? I don't know if you've ever asked that, and I'll talk about that. Why didn't he just stick around and say, hey guys, I'm here, here's my physical body, right? And did Jesus abandon us? And so if he didn't abandon us, that's going to lead us to our second question, is why, what does Jesus want us to do after his ascension? So if he didn't abandon us and he wants us to stay here, obviously it is for a purpose. So I want to paint a picture for you. Everyone say picture. There we go, all right? I want you to imagine Jesus has spent three years with his disciples, teaching them. His disciples have, saw, have seen him do miracles, listen to his teachings. They saw him die on a cross and be raised by God on the third day. And to prove that Jesus was not a figment of the, their imagination, for 40 days after the resurrection, he ate, he drank, and he talked about the kingdom with them. And so then we see Jesus ascend into heaven in Acts chapter 1. And we also, it's also talked about in Luke 24. But we're going to stay in Acts 1. And so we're going to break down. Why did Jesus ascend into heaven? Why didn't he just stick around? See, whenever I was a Christian, a new Christian, I asked the question, why did, why did Jesus go to heaven? Why didn't he stick around? What, and I thought, well, I, I was reading scripture. I was like, maybe he was just tired of all the dumb questions from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Alright, maybe he was just uh, just ready to go back. I just didn't understand. And I want to challenge you students to think of it like this. That Jesus ascending back into heaven is not because he was tired of people. But we should have a different perspective. Man, my throat is going out, huh? Alright? See, there are many deep theological things. In fact, there are eight that I can talk about, but I'm going to hit the top three. I'm going to say top three. Here are the top three reasons Jesus, after 40 days after his resurrection, ascended back into heaven at the right hand of the Father, alright? The very first one is this, is that Jesus ascended into heaven, marked the completion of his salvation work, why he came. So whenever he ascended back into heaven, it marked the completion of the salvation work. See, after the cross and the resurrection, there was nothing more to do to provide any aspect of salvation. Students, when Jesus stepped out of heaven, it was not by accident. It was not, it was not, oh, how did I get here? No, it was not by accident. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that he was going to have to send his one and only son, Jesus, down on earth, put on skin and bone incarnation, and pay the ultimate penalty for our sin, which was death, death on a cross. And so whenever he ascended into the right hand of the Father, he, it marked the completion of salvation. So that was summed up in the words, how many, whenever, whenever you read the Testament of Scripture, and you read where Jesus on the cross, he said these words, it is, um, it is, it is finished. And he also says in John Jefferson 17, listen, I have glorified you on earth. He's praying to his Father. He said to his Father, having now finished the work you gave me to do. Jesus came on a mission. He came to die for us as sinners, not by accident. He was our substitution atonement. He was intervening for us. So not only did Jesus, whenever he ascended, and he it, it signified the completion of the work of salvation, but it immediately allowed us to have direct access to an advocate for the Father. I want to say advocate. 1 John 2, 1 says this. Want to throw it up? John's writing... He says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. 
But if anyone does, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. So if you don't know what uh, an intercessory or intercessor is, it's the act of interceding prayer petition. It's intervening on behalf of someone. So Jesus was our substitute atonement, substitute death on the cross, the cross that we deserve, the, the shame that we deserve. And so he appeased the wrath of God so that we can have a relationship with the Father through Jesus, all right? And I know that can be confusing because we're talking about Trinity, and there's only one God, but I want you to stick with me, and we'll explain here in a second. And everyone, say, say third thing. All right, I'm trying not to do this long enough. When Jesus ascended, the church became empowered to accomplish its mission through the sending of the Holy Spirit. So what is the mission? What is the mission? So when Jesus ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father and completes the salvation work that he was sent to do. And therefore we have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus. And then he also empowers us to complete the mission that he gave in Matthew 28. Therefore go. Everyone say go. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let's dive into the final, final moments before Jesus ascends back into heaven. And then we're going to branch off and talk about how does this impact us? How does this impact us? Is that Jesus, ascending into the right hand, has completed the salvation work. It has given us an advocate with the Father that if we sin, we know that Jesus has paid the price on our sin. So we can still have right standing with God. And then we are empowered by the Spirit to go and make disciples. Alright, so Acts 1.8. Alright, we're going to set this up. I want you to imagine Jesus just spent 40 days eating, gathering, and being with his disciples talking about the kingdom in verse 3. And then Jesus says in verse 4 and 5 to wait. Everyone say wait. <laughs> Jesus says in verse 4 by wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So this wasn't the talk the first time that Jesus brought up the Holy Spirit. If you look in John, in John chapter 14, it's called the Farewell, Farewell Discourse, right? So Jesus is talking with the disciples. He's like, listen, listen. I gotta go, but I'm gonna send you an advocate and a helper, and he, it's it's good that I go because this per, this uh, person of the Trinity is going to live gonna dwell inside of you. Now it's not in your guts or anything like that. It's gonna dwell. The Spirit's gonna dwell inside of you, right? The disciples kept bothering Jesus about these questions and resorting to God's kingdom, and then Jesus gives him this command, and this is our command, right? So this is the mission. So how are we supposed to carry out the mission? And that's Acts one eight. Look what it says. But you will see, receive power. Everyone say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Students, we know that the mission that Jesus says, listen, go and make disciples. So how are we supposed to go and make disciples? Jesus says, no, no, no. You need to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to dwell inside of you. It's going to come. It's going to give you boldness. It's going to give you clarity. It's going to allow you to do things in my name so people can hear the gospel and they can do great things. Students, look right here. Is that the same power that helped the disciples, that guided the disciples, lives in us today and has given us the same mission of going and making disciples? And how do we do this? 
we wait and we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So whenever we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, and we acknowledge that He has paid the ultimate price for our sin, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, begins to lead us closer to the righteousness of Christ. Everyone say sanctification. It allows us to be made new day by day. So within this single verse, Jesus gives his followers a blueprint. Everyone say blueprint. For the power, the purpose, and the plan of the Great Commission. So this is the mission, and then Acts 1-8 is the vehicle. So if you don't know what a blueprint is, blueprint is instructions. Now how many of you guys hate instructions? Raise your hand. All right, my people, all right? So uh, throw up a blueprint right there. How many of you guys know what that is? That's the CIA, alright? Not just fun. Blueprint instructions. It's detailed instructions, detailed outline. So if you've ever been to IKEA, alright? Uh, IKEA is not of this world, okay? Because you have to follow the instructions over here. You have to follow the instructions step by step. You can't start with the first step and end with the last step. If you do, if you don't follow the instructions, you end up with this. So here's some IKEA fails right there. It's supposed to be a standing desk for tiny people, all right? Or a chair that's upside down. And then there's this one that cracks me up. You fail, all right? And then this one right here. Look at that beautiful dresser, okay? So students, there's a step-by-step. Look what he says. Listen. It is vitally important that we follow the blueprint instructions on how we carry out the mission. God has given us a blueprint. He's given us instructions for God's power, purpose, and plan. Everyone say power. Everyone say purpose. Everyone say plan. So the blueprint for the Great Commission is this, power. Our power comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Spirit dwelling inside the believer. And look what he says. So if you want to throw up that verse, follow with me. He says, listen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. So notice he doesn't start off, right? He doesn't start off by jumping to the very end of going. Listen, he says, the Spirit, this advocate, this helper is so important you have to wait. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. So power. The disciples are not to run off immediately, but wait. And when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives to accomplish the Great Commission, the Spirit is, we're going to look in throughout the book of Acts, embolden us, it gives us boldness in Acts 4. It allows us to see Scripture and apply it and illuminate our lives. It grows the church, it directs us, it calls us. Listen, the Holy Spirit that Jesus' followers receive helps us in our witness. There's an order for a reason. There's an order for a reason. You can't be a witness and receive power until you've accepted Christ in your life. So once you know you've received Christ and you have the power, the boldness, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, now you go from power to, everyone say purpose. Got that up there? There we go. All right? The purpose is to be a witness. See, we are to be witnesses of Jesus and influence the world through our words, attitudes, and actions by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the beautiful thing of this, students, is that this is a beautiful picture and it's a foreshadowing of what the historical account of the book of Acts is. Is that you see people receive the Holy Spirit through confession of sin and asking Christ into their life. And then all of a sudden, they become witnesses. The purpose is to become a witness 
for Jesus. And we see this unfold throughout the rest of the book of Acts and their faithful witnesses and be faithful in our sharing that Christ has done. And then that leads to the third thing is that whenever we understand the power and the purpose, then we understand, everyone say the plan. The plan is to tell everyone about Jesus. The plan is to impact the, the world for the glory of God. You see, Acts 1 and Matthew 28 kind of intersect a little bit. See, the story of Acts is about how God's kingdom starts in Jerusalem, spreads into Judea, Samaria, and ultimately turns the world upside down. See, when Jesus changes your life, students, and the Holy Spirit dwells in your life, then you will want to share Jesus with the people around you. Jesus is the king of an unstoppable kingdom. And you have a part in the story. Remember, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. And we see this throughout the rest of the book of Acts. See, only by the power of the Spirit were they able to do this. And we have that same mission and that same purpose and plan and power in our lives today. So with this power, they knew the purpose and they had a plan. And I want you to see, I'm, I'm a visual person, I want you to see how with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, with boldness and with preaching the gospel and sharing with words about what Jesus has done, how this radically transformed the world around them. So there's a historical map of how the gospel completely transformed the whole entire world. So I want you to look at this and look at what, whenever we follow Jesus with our whole heart, and we understand that God's power, purpose, and plan in our life, and we tell people about Jesus, of what we can do for His kingdom and the gospel. So go ahead and hit that video.
For us today, the story remains the same. Students, that our power is the same, our purpose is the same, and our plan is the same. And the same thing that the disciples and the apostles went through, we are supposed to do as well. And the power of the gospel, that is such a powerful video of showing how the gospel can transform the world. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at real-life examples of the book of Acts on how God desires to do amazing things through his disciples and believers after his ascension. And the ascension is not the end. It's just the beginning of God doing amazing things for his kingdom. So let's pray. Father, as we come before you and as we have studied your scripture, thank you so much for an advocate. For Jesus, thank you for sending your spirit. God, that we believe we believe that you are one God, distinct three persons. So God, we worship you, we praise you. We ask that as we go into this conversation that we would feel a burden and understand that if we have accepted you as our personal Lord and Savior, then we will have the desire, the power, the purpose, and the plan ingrained in our hearts when we can't help tell people about Jesus. That the same command you gave the apostles is the same command you give us. To go and make disciples, to be witnesses, and share about your glorious kingdom and gospel. Lord, we love you and your one precious name.